Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome. To the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther, coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host from New York, Joey No Chill Prano. Hello, Andy. I'm actually coming to you live from the idyllic confines of Greenwich, Connecticut. Okay, so I was wrong. Well, it's the new it's the greater New York area. I feel like everything is the greater New York area up there. We call it the tri-state area. You know, they call it in LA, they call it the Southland. And you're like, what's, where's the, the Southland starting at? And they're like, mm, pretty much starts in Santa Barbara and ends in San Diego. You're like, that's a real, that sure is the Southland. I, I'm uh, not too familiar with the Southland term. I just knew Southern California. You don't, you don't watch a lot of uh, local news, huh? Dude. Whether around the Southland, 87 in Glendale. Dude, local news? I don't watch the beach. I don't watch any news. I saw something the other day. Speaking of the news, I saw something. The United States news, 87% of the news is negative. And then they compared it to every other country where it's like more of a 50-50 split. Think about that. That's crazy. 87% of the news is negative. Classic liberal media trying to keep us scared. It's all media. Yeah, I know. By the way, when you get in a pool next to somebody, don't try to tar- start a political discussion. Did Disclaimer- somebody start one with you or you started one with them? Bro, yesterday. I never get people who want to start a political discussion with a stranger. Yeah. He goes, he was walking in the pool and he said, he said, oh, you know, I just walk. He has weights on his foot. And this was a bigger lane. You need some more space. I can go into this lane, that little smaller lane, which has the you know, the ladder. So it's a little, little narrower. I said, yeah, cool. Thanks, man. He goes, yep, that's great. You and I can get along. I'm like those politicians. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I agree. And then like, I got, I hop in, I'm like putting my headphones in. He's like, he's like, you know, all the news is bad. And I'm thinking, okay, I actually agree with him. He's like, it's all slanted one way or the other. doesn't matter whose side you're like, I agree. And then he just started going on some rant. I'm like, dude, I'm here to swim. I don't, I was, did you set me up? I think you know how people set you up like you set me up. Hey, want to switch lanes? And I'm going to talk politics with this strange yeah. dude who's trying to do some freestyle laps. It's like the worst episode of Punked. <laughs> we got we got D level comedian Andy Ruther. We're going to see how long he'll talk politics at the pool. We've got <laughs> Dax out there. He's gonna he's gonna go in slow with just some politicians and newscasters and then uh before andy starts swimming we're gonna see if we can get him to attend a maga rally in huntington beach california when he's there but this guy was just going off on everything it was like he's like i hate fox news i hate msnbc i'm like dude i agree with you i don't know what else you want me to say you know what's funny is that the pool that i swim at now during covid it was one one per lane and now they've switched it to two people per lane F that. And I, I literally pay, I literally book the lane twice. I pay twice and book it for two. And I just swim by myself. I'm like, I'd rather double pay than even deal with 
half of a thought of that conversation. We're like, hey, you're going to stay on this side and I'll stay on this side? How's that going to work? And even pre-COVID, I hate it. I hate Sharon Lance. Oh, it's the worst. It, it truly is. Yeah, like, forget that. And, and, and they need a lane for old people. It's just say old people lane. Because the getting on your back and just, you know what I'm saying? Or whatever old people do sometimes. I get it. You're trying to get in the water. Good for you. But like some of us got to swim here. Remember when you were a kid and there was like adult swim? Yeah. There should be adult adult swim. It should be double adults. If you're, if you're, so if you've been an adult for so long that you're an adult to the adults in the pool, you got to have your own lane. I agree. Do you think gyms will survive? I feel I feel like gyms in general after COVID and then everything's blown up like Peloton. I think I it's going to be the, I think it's going to be the specialized gym. People are going to be doing, you know, whatever this, the CrossFit, the blah blah blah. And um I still think there's gym culture. I still think there's people that just go to the gym to be at the gym and drink their big jug of water talk to people about politics so yeah i think the gym will survive you know what what their business models will be like who knows but they'll always be there why are pelotons so expensive i don't know andy you think about getting one no i i just because i was talking to my brother about it yesterday and i said well all these people are doing this stuff now instead of joining the gym and Aren't there, isn't there like a video aspect? Aren't you like live in a room with people? Yeah, but two grand, I think, is like around the cheapest. Why couldn't I just get on an exercise bike, a good one, and put on a YouTube video? Because then you're not live in a room with other people doing Peloton and they're like, Good morning, everybody. It's April, whatever. We're going to get this ride on. It's all culture, dude. It's not about working out. It's all about like, I did my, I've seen people post on their Instagram, like my ex, you know, my 50th ride, my 200th ride. It's all like, that's how they get you. They get you wanting to be part of a cult, part of a club. That's fine. But I don't know the thought of, again, not leaving the house. Like, like, I think it's good for us mentally to leave the house. You're probably saying that's coming from you, Ruth. Yeah, I do leave the house. Yeah. You gotta stop brainwashing. I get these DMs from I just, I just left the house early this morning. I uh I just walked uh a seven year old girl to school. I walked our our friend Tony's daughter to school, and it was hilarious because, you know, especially with a mask and uh, sunglasses and a hat on, build wise, Tony and I are very similar. So a lot of people I think thought that uh, he grew a mustache. I Tony. Well, I had the mask on. Oh yeah, that's right. So they thought I was Tony and a couple of people like even Tony's sister thought I was Tony until, you know, I spoke and I was like, man, I should do this tomorrow and just be Tony and then just say like real creepy stuff the whole walk to all the that, parents. It's great. That'd be a great thing to do to your friend who's letting you stay. Yeah. This great, place. great pants today, Lisa. I really like them. I'm going to miss when we don't have to wear masks all the time for certain reasons. I'm going to miss having to like see people again. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like I saw some dude back to the gym real quick. I saw a guy who I hadn't seen in 
almost 20 years who I knew back in the day. And he was, he was leaving the gym as I was leaving. And I was surprised that he still goes to the same gym I used to go to when I would come home during the summers of college. But my point is, I'm opening the door for this guy. He has no clue who I am because of the mask. And I'm thinking, this is great because he's one of those guys who it's going to be a long conversation. I thought, man, like Andy Ruther. Good to see you, buddy. Yeah. So how are you voting next election? (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, So your uh, your Knicks. My Knicks have won six in a row. I, I haven't looked at the, like, I haven't done the research, but this has got to be the first time in this millennia that they've won six in a row. It's got to like be. Like 2010 on up? No, I'm thinking like 2000 on up. Interesting. Six in a row is a lot of games in a row to win in the NBA if you're a destitute franchise. Longest winning streak. Like if somebody was like longest winning streak since 90 something, I'd be like, I believe it. Yeah. It's crazy. to think the Knicks have been that bad for so long. Yeah. It's crazy how long that is. Like, it's crazy that like we're 20 years removed from that finals appearance. Yeah. Well, you're up. They're up to the sixth seed. Yep. A lot of teams have come on strong. But I mean, the hope is to to get out of that, you know, get out of any sort of play-in situation. By the way, it's their longest win streak in seven years. Seven? Yeah. Wow. I would have guessed way more. Yeah. Well, good for the 2014 Knicks. Oh, the Knicks, is that was that a uh, was that during Linsanity? The Knicks went 504, 545 games between five win streaks, the second longest stretch in history. And now it's up to six. Yeah, I assume. Well, seven years ago, I assume. Yeah, that would be Lynn Sanity, right? That that makes sense. Totally 20, forgot about Lynn Sanity. 2014. Yeah. It's pretty it, it's pretty bunched up. They're they're nine games back. The five and six, the four and five are four and a half. Or I'm sorry, eight and a half. I just want the Nets now. Honestly, I don't even care. I just want the Nets in the first round. Let's give New York what they want. A first round crossborough battle. You see, KD got hurt again. Yep, knee or thigh contusion. He bumped into somebody. KD is now at this point soft on the internet and soft in the bones. Look, man, I don't want to say it's connected, but I'm gonna say it's connected. So it is. Again, the the mind body. Like if you're the not mind body connection. If you're not there mentally, man. You're not if, there. Fi- you're not if there. Only Doctor John Sarno were still alive to write a book on dealing with internet trolls. Seriously, though, and how it affects your health. If you're not there mentally, and he's clearly not, I can't even keep track at this point how many Twitter beefs he's he's having on a per day per week. Especially basis. since we don't know how many burner accounts he has. Yeah, but right, like if you're not there, all of us. When you're checked, I know when I'm checked out mentally, I like fuck shit up. Whether it's a work related thing or you you injure yourself in this case, and here they are. I I think I think the Nets at this point could be one of those. Oh, when they get it together, when they all get healthy, what if that never happens? Right. But what if it does happen? 
Do you have the Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals? As every day goes on, I will say no. Like in as the Eastern East- Conference Finals, they're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Unless, of course, the Knicks take him down in round one. Let's go. I want to say yeah, but again, it's... Andy, if, if it's Knicks, Nets, round one, will you just be like... Rude, will you be rooting for my New York Knicks? Yeah, of course. I'm not rooting for the Nets at all. I want the I want the the Nets are the Nets are kind of Miami 2.0 for me. Like I rooted hard against Miami. That you know, that's always been my defense when people say that I'm like a LeBron stan, which I am, but it's never player over everything. Like when he did that and when he's on Miami, who's a Knicks hated rival, I always rooted against Miami. I think the only time I rooted for him was like the very last season against the Spurs. Cause also like the Spurs weren't fun to root for either, but the Mavs, I was rooting so hard for the Mavs. Everybody will be rooting against the Nets. I think except for people living in Brooklyn. Yeah. But even that, what is the dedication level? How long have they been in Brooklyn? 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And there's not, I mean, they, we call it we call it Madison Square Garden East when they when the Knicks play there. It's all Knicks fans, all of them. It, you know, it's uh, the fan base in Brooklyn. It's like, first of all, if you're an old school Brooklyn person, you're Knicks. You're for sure. And there was no and you're not budging. You're not budging. So it's all the new school. They, they basically have hipster fans. What was the move? I didn't follow it. I should have followed. Yeah, Bresler. Bresler's there. The face of their fan fan base but what was the move i should have followed it closer and i don't know the history when they like when they moved what was the thought process behind all that well they were in jersey sure and uh so, so they were kind of in, in like a no man's land so to speak being in yeah jersey. they played the meadowlands you know where where obviously you know the giants play it's just swampland out there and the, the idea was, you know, obviously we're looking at 10, 11 years ago now, whatever it was, that's another 10 years. Another 10 years before that was like the beginning of the gentrification parade to Brooklyn. So Brooklyn became the hip, hot place to live. And then obviously, you know, you bring all that stuff. I mean, they moved the Islanders there for a second too. The Islanders have since left again, but. That's right. Forgot about that. But Jay Z was he like was he a legit huge catalyst in the move? I I don't think he was a huge catalyst in the move. I think he was um, brought in to be like the face of the move. Like we need to we're rebranding. We're moving the Nets to Brooklyn. They're going to be the Brooklyn Nets. We're going to change the colors, and Jay Z is going to be, you know, almost like the fashion designer. Like he's gonna he's gonna style the whole thing. Yeah, because I just don't style the branding. I know they're new, but I just don't see. I don't see a personality with that franchise. Well, I think the personality is the same as their uh, of the the fans that are in Brooklyn. It's like these carpetbaggers, but you you have the Brooklyn hipster crowd that you know has embraced them, and then I'm sure you have the KD Harden Kyrie fans. You know the way young basketball fans these days root for players that came along for the ride. Listen, I'm a D'Antoni Nash stan, 
there was like a hot minute this year where I was like, I'm into it. And then I was like, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how many games have they, the three of them played together? I don't know. 12, five. It's not many. Three. So right now the nets are a two seed. Mm-hmm. They would go against the heat in the first round. That'd be, a, that'd be a tough series. Yeah. Be great. And then if they slip to a three, let's go. Or, or there's a good chance that the Knicks could slip to a seven. Sure. So you, so you do have a legit good chance of a Nets Knicks first round series. I'd love it. I'd be into it. Do you think, I don't know. There, there's, you know, there's been a lot of reports lately and, and I don't know if you saw what Fred Van Fleet said about this year is all about money <laughs> for the NBA. I didn't see that. He was kind of saying, look, I, I didn't. I didn't think what he said was wrong. And he in a way, he wasn't taking sides because obviously the players agreed to this. But it seems like there's a lot of injuries. Yeah. And the, the super short offseason just could not have been good for them. And that's what I was going to say. If there's any regret and he was saying it was all about money for them just to make the money and to make up what they lost, so to speak, by not falling farther behind. I I wonder if there's any regrets on the NBA's part of rushing this season, especially when you have, because these injuries are superstar injuries. Correct. Yeah. And to me, like it's affected people like me. I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, I think, I think in the end there's, you know, even the even the biggest basketball fans, I mean, I think back to my days. You know, there there are times in my life, obviously, if the Knicks were in, that I'd watch every single playoff game. Obviously, now the marquee series you're watching, but like the casual basketball fan, even somebody that considers themselves an NBA fan, they're not watching every first round game. They're not watching every second round playoff game. So I think for the NBA, I think it's almost too soon to tell. Let's see who's around in the final four teams. You know, is LeBron back? Is AD back? Is KD back? Is Embiid back? Like if, if those, if the final four still has superstar power, I think in the end they'll be like, great. Now, if, the final four is the jazz and the nuggets and whatever, because of guys who are injured. And I mean, saying, even saying the nuggets with Murray hurt, like probably unlikely. Um, But if, if it turns out to be a weird grouping because of injuries, that's when the NBA is going to be like, we fucked up. But even regular season games, obviously the Lakers were slated their prime example. Like I personally, without Anthony Davis and LeBron, like if one of them is playing, I'm more prone to watch. If neither are playing, I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, I got yeah. other, sh- I got other shit I can do. And obviously, the same thing's been happening to Brooklyn all season long. I don't know. It's, it's, I guess it's when it's a money issue, people don't want to give up money, and it's easier in hindsight to look at things, but. If it does end up happening, like you said, possibly, yeah, there nobody wants to be watching a jazz 
Suns Western Conference Finals. Like the non cat, like like the right. casual NBA right. fan, I should like say. Like I do, but yeah, most people don't. Yeah. So and won't and won't they won't tune in. Well, I am looking forward when I get when I get on the West Coast, some some Pacific Standard Time games a little, little earlier, Joe. I yeah. the, the the one thing, the only reason that I am uh I, I don't want to use the word hesitant, but the only reason that I am a little uh I don't know the word here cautious about leaving is I'm gonna I'm gonna leave my lawn for 10 days and I, and I think my lawn is looking so damn good I am I am proud of my lawn you know why I'm proud of my lawn Joe my brother the other day they, they're very rare to give compliments I had a little fire pit get together Saturday evening and he looked at the lawn he said the lawn looks so good right now and I said dude it's because of Sunday they're taking care of the lawn and I don't have to really do much because they know exactly what to send and what to apply to the lawn. And uh, it could not have been easier, Joe. I know uh, I know. I have some friends using it. Guys, take advantage of Sunday right now because it is a, uh, it's a great company and it's going to make your lawn look that much better. And it's so easy. Simply just go to GetSunday.com. You put in your home address. And they give you a free lawn analysis, which takes care of the rest all just in seconds. It uses My brother was doing Sunday yesterday. Sunday on Sunday, he was saying. He was uh, like, uh, you, guys, you guys want me to share it on social media? I was like, get it out there. Share your share your Sunday on Sunday action. I like that. Sunday on Sunday. Yeah, and I should be getting my next shipment. So they send multiple shipments once they assess your lawn. So it's it's great. It's easy. You can do it yourself and there, there's nothing better than looking at a nice, crisp green lawn. It really is a great feeling. So let Sunday take the guesswork out of growing a greener, more beautiful lawn this spring. Visit GetSunday.com forward slash dirty to get $20 off your custom lawn plan at checkout. That's $20 off your custom plan at GetSunday.com forward slash dirty. Okay, a lawn that might need to get some uh, extra application to it is uh, Yankee Stadium with all the mm-hmm. stuff being th- being thrown onto the field from angry Yankees fans. Doing that segue an eight and a half out of ten. That was that was solid. You like it? A little lawn that might need some help because of all the stuff being thrown on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know, I know it doesn't make me. I know it makes me a hater, but I take joy in the Yankees losing almost more than I take joy in some of my teams winning. I love it when the Yankees stink. Yeah. Fans can't handle it. You know, we always talk about racist Red Sox fans and vile Philly fans and whatever. The spoiled Yankee fan is one of my favorite disaster fans. They're so spoiled. If a guy strikes out twice on opening day, they start booing him. You know, we're what we're 13 games in the season, 12 games in the season. They five, five and eight. They're five and 10, five and 10. It's their worst start since 97. Okay. First of all, love it. 
love it. Um, but like they're throwing stuff on the f- five and ten. You're throwing stuff on the field. They're assholes, dude. They're just assholes. They're so spoiled. They're such assholes. They 27 really rings. It's like, first of all, if it happened in black and white, what are we talking about? But by the way, the 97 team, I had to look it up. That started five and 10, finished 96 and 66. Yeah. So what are we talking about here? Yeah, just spoiled. Spoiled fans. Spoiled fans. They barely go to the game. They can't sell that stadium because they overprice it. They went with a, you know, a never managed before manager, big swing, all strikeout guys. Give they give Garrett Cole all the money, which is great. He's been he's been good, but also like I don't know. It's feel it's it's a good day. It's good to be it's good to be a Mets fan in New York these days. Still, no matter what we do, we're under the radar. We're the little brothers. We have the best pitcher in baseball. We're in first place. Stroman dominates yesterday. Yankees over there throwing shit on the field, complaining, whining. But you're just you're just kind of an asshole. Me or Yankees fans? The fans. If, oh yeah, yeah. I of course. It, like you're you're throwing. Well, first of all, where are you getting? Where do, where are all these people walking into games with baseballs? Well, I'm pretty sure there wasn't a giveaway. Just chucking baseballs. If they have to stop a game because you're throwing stuff on the field, you are the five year old who doesn't get his way in the grocery store. You're the kid who says, "I want a sweet or a toy or whatever it is." Yank Yankees fans are five year old children. And listen, if there's a if the throwing the stuff, not that I'm saying it's ever okay, but you know, you throw throw stuff in on the field at a protest because some, you know, bad call, a horrific call, and yeah. they refuse to overturn it, even though it's so clear and it cost you the game and whatever. That's one thing. Or you know, they they stop play and you know, oh well, the weather, blah blah blah, and it's completely sunny out, and you're like, dude, this is ridiculous. Like if you're in protest or something, just being bad. This is Yankees fans. Yeah, maybe I feel like try, the, try I, being a Pirates fan. I feel like lifelong Mets fans should hold like how to deal with grief classes in New York City and make Yankees fans attend. And be like, guys, have you thought about just drinking and going home, being upset, screaming about the team on Twitter? Have you tried that? And it only makes everyone else, which is everybody who's not a Yankees fan, root harder against them when they we see. We love the, it. We when they see it. their, when they like, when you see their fans doing that, I, I always say, great, great. Because great. they're just as obnoxious in winning as they are in losing, and we don't want your obnoxious winning. So great, we love it that you're obnoxiously losing, you whiny babies. Yeah. We're, you know knock off Aaron judge jerseys with no shirts on underneath and a, you know, a Jesus cross throwing, throwing bottles at players. The worst part about Yankees fans is we got to go to church on Sunday, but first I got those baseball at Aaron judge. The one's not even from New York. And there's so many, I, I think I've said this. There was a kid in my dorm sophomore year of college across the hall. 
he was from he was from either Missouri or Illinois. And his his dorm room was all Yankees and Notre Dame stuff. I'm like, come on, bro. Really? Yankees from Illinois. Like you're claiming you're claiming those titles in the 90s. Get out of here. What's funny is that's so horrible. It's it's a lot like Patriots fans. It's like, but like it's it, they're so hor- those, those like ch- banner chasing, you know, bandwagon fans that aren't even from the earth. They're so bad, but they're literally equally as bad as like the New York Yankee douche. There's like, and what's amazing is both ends of the financial spectrum for Yankee douches are like incredibly douche. Like again, the the jersey no shirt on underneath Goomba Yankee fan, and like the not wearing any Yankees merch except the Yankees cap, like the except like the dad style yeah. cap with the vest, wearing the vest over your dress shirt from work. Oh, that's bad. I'm just gonna yeah, you know, listen. I'm just coming to my work here. Just gonna throw a vest on, so I'm sporting now. And I'm gonna throw a dad Yanks hat on. And here we're gonna go. We're gonna go to the game. We're gonna talk about date rape and Aaron Judge. <laughs> Finance, date rape, and Aaron Judge. Those are the three topics of conversation tonight, boys. Strap in. Thinking about getting into the crypto game. Also thinking about drugging my neighbor, making her have sex with me on Saturday after we go out to the bar. And also, let's talk about Stan. This guy can't stop striking out. Who's the most well? Who are some of the most well-known yet? I feel like I know more of the well-known Mets fans. Mets, by the way, the well celebrity Mets fans are so much cool. First of all, comedians alone. Seinfeld, Bill Maher. Yeah. Those those Uh, quickly come to mind. Who else? Kevin James. Kevin James. That's right. Um, we've got. I think Rock is a Mets fan. A lot of comedian Mets fans. Like, who are the diehard Yankees fans? Woody, Woody Allen. <laughs> yeah. Denzel. Uh, Spike Lee. Spike Lee, it's like ridiculous. Like, Spike's Mr. Brooklyn, Mr. Jackie Robinson. We have a Jackie Robinson Rotunda, and you're out there in Yankees games. Um, Jay-Z, right? Yeah. Um, a, lot of, a lot of famous Yankee fans, I'm sure. But just like uh, Billy Crystal. He's got that interesting. He's he's got that interesting Yankees Clippers mix, Billy Crystal. Yeah. Well, he's Mister Mickey Mantle. That's right. He loves Mickey Mantle. Well, fuck him because everybody's rooting against him. So, you know, again, it, it only brings more hate upon their own base when they act like children throwing stuff on the field get out of here you're you're a kid i'm not if i'm at that reds game yesterday i'm not throwing stuff on the field when shane Bieber's striking everybody out i don't know if you saw this he so he so he struck out 13 yesterday he's now uh he's now begun the season he started the season i should say four starts with at least 10 k's no one's done that since they moved the mound back in 1893 what how when did they move the mound back 
says, according to this on ESPN, he is the first pitcher in big league history to begin the season with four straight starts with at least 10 strikeouts since the mound was moved to its current distance in 1893. That makes me wow. think we, we need to update the mound. 1893. Don't, don't mess with the mound. You don't think? No. You know, what's amazing about the mound. Baseball is such a fascinating sport. The mound is 60 feet, six inches away. And somehow the number of like, yo, this guy throws really hard is exactly 100 miles an hour. That's wild to me and has been for like 40 years. Well, here's what's crazy to think about sports to think that they magically got the mound distance correct, that they magically got the 10 feet on the basketball hoop correct. Like those are two things that are nuts to think that have, they have withstood time. We're talking 1893 is when they moved the mound. But I don't know if you've heard, there, there are discussions about possibly adjusting it because of how hard these guys throw now. Uh, my response to that would be lower the mound. Don't move it back. Cause obviously there's, there's a benefit that comes from you bringing the ball from higher, bringing the ball, you know, having more of a downhill slope on your um, delivery, you know, just the, the driving down toward the batter dri driving down <laughs> The wall—it's like drive down to Gram, um, but I would say flatten it as, as opposed to move it back because that's something we can adjust up and down very easily without having to redo every baseball field in America. Yeah, I want to ask you this. This was a discussion I had with a couple of buddies recently watching a game. It's along the lines of the uh, the Scherzer discussion about could I hit a pitch? Yeah, I don't because I don't exactly remember where that was discussed. If I knew, we're just going to take me. If I knew a guy was going to throw a ninety mile fastball right down home plate, how long before I could like make contact? So ninety mile hour keeps coming to the same spot. Same spot. It's going to take you between five and 10 swings. Oh, so you're with my buddies. I was, I kept saying, oh, I'm just going to keep whiffing. I mean, I think to make contact, to tip one, to foul it off, just to, to put bat on ball. Wood, wood it, bat too. We're talking wood bat. Yeah. But again, I mean, that, that doesn't matter. Like, but con like there's a difference between contact and like solid contact. Like I'm, I'm saying you'll, you'll tip it. You'll, no, you know, whatever. Like until you hit uh like a slow ground ball to shortstop, five years. <laughs> like never, <laughs> never. Like the body could never adjust to the speed, even though I know it's going right center yeah, of the play. Well, you will adjust, you will. But I mean, first of all, stepping in there to 90, the first couple, you're just gonna be like, What just happened? You might not get the bat off your shoulder on the first one. Step into like one of those hard throwing cages sometime until you adjust to the speed. Like it'll take me two or three, two or three pitches. I'll be like, geez, 
it's way harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say five or 10 swings. You could tip it. You could go, oh, the ball's coming right there again. Now, now let's say, you know, a DeGrom or something like that was like, I'm going to throw only fastballs and they're all going to be strikes, but I'm going to move them around the zone. Now we're talking. Yeah, no shot. Dude, he did that on opening day to big leaguers. On opening day, he threw fastballs for the entire first inning. Yeah, I meant exactly. Same location. Yeah. Center of the plate. 90. Can the common man connect with that after 10 or 15 pitches? Yeah. You'll 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 tip it. Just the tip? Just the tip. Just the tip's a great game to play to a certain point. Then you're like, come on. Gotta go full throttle here. Gotta get that full wood on it. You can see I'm not having any sex out here, Joe Prano. That's... Yeah, we got to do something. About it. You come out, come out to California. We get you back down to the South Bay. See if the grandmas are out during COVID. Grandmas, really? You can try to bring back flash, flashback memories of me. Yeah. Trying to give me CTE over here. Well, here is a good LA story that has just been sitting on the rundown. It's so ridiculous. I, we have to discuss it. Okay. It, it's the most dirty sports story ever that has just been sitting here. Um, a homeless guy poses a USC football player and fooled people for a few days. I don't even understand how this, like, I didn't read this story, but I've seen the, the headline on the rundown. So explain to me what happened here. So here's the quick synopsis of what happened. This guy, this USC insider claims that he had several conversations with USC campus security that for over a couple days, somebody was posing as a USC football player and the guy shared the hot tub with other football players. He attended a team football dining facility. But he didn't, but he didn't gear up and go to practice. He also slept for some time at a suite in the Coliseum. Love it. They caught him on the soccer field. I mean, this whole thing is. So, so here's, here, here's how this, this is, here's how he. Here's, like, he's Lori Laughlin's adopted son. She got him in. He's never supposed to be there in the first place. So but here's he's what a football player. So in the past. You would need fingerprints to get into a lot of these places. And now you don't because COVID? Yes. So, according to the story, he would blame... Also, what fingerprints? Is the is the USC athletic <laughs> department like the Starship Enterprise? Are you serious? There's, there's eyeball scanning you to get into the dining room? Yeah. So, like, we've, we've actually been doing this since the OJ trial, so this doesn't have anything to do. Like, so apparently you can't, you can't enter you can't enter the USC football facilities if you're wearing leather gloves. Apparently, once he was inside, and you can't imagine, you know, football team, what do you got? 80 guys? Mark Furman somewhere like, can I get a <laughs> can I get a copy of all those fingerprints just in case I need them? I guess once inside he blended in because he looked their age 
and he was telling guys he was a walk-on. All these spots. Well, he's football. Security said the crazy part was he just walked in and acted like he belongs, and then people think he belongs. USC's I, like, wouldn't be the first time. We had a we had a YouTube vlogger on the on the crew team last year. <laughs> this is the best part. It's that I caught him. If he hadn't tried to return punts at practice, he might still be wow. out there. <laughs> so he did gear up. He took it to the next level. I like it. He's trying to return punts at practice. I'm a homeless guy, and this is college punt return. <laughs> Remember when Knoxville did that? Yeah, I do. Guys, ass kicked. I'm Daryl, the homeless guy, and this is punt return. <laughs> They're like, wait, what? Who are you talking to? Do you think he planned it out like with his other homeless buddies? Does he tell his buddies, hey, man? I've been scouting the USC football team. They don't use the, the finger ID anymore, the fingerprint. I think I can pose as a football player. And his buddy's like, no way, man. No way you can do it. He's like, I'm telling you. Just a bunch of guys in tents under like, you know. South Central. Yeah. La Brea. And they're, he's like, bro, I got intel. Says they ain't doing fingerprints anymore. I'm going <laughs> to join the football team. They're like, okay. They're like, where's Brian? He usually brings us heroin on Wednesday. I ran a 4440 in high school. Like, oh, pretty good. Brian's Brian's not here. He's on the USC football team now. Well, yeah, when they make this into a movie with uh, Mark Wahlberg, he's like gonna he's gonna like score the winning touchdown in the game. <laughs> and that, that's when they're gonna find out he was homeless the whole time. It's gonna be a Disney movie about homelessness in America. Only SC, though. 56-year-old Mark Wahlberg returning punts. <laughs> Five-foot-five Mark Wahlberg yeah. returning punts. Yeah, I'm returning punts on the football team. Yeah, I can do it. Yeah. What? I would have stopped those planes, and I could have returned punts. If I would have gone to USC, I, I could have returned punts. Only You have to admit, only LA would this happen. Yeah. Like, this is the most... L.A. college team. I just well, to be fair. I think I mean, it, I think the entire Rutgers roster is homeless guys from around New Jersey. So I don't think it's the only place it would happen. I just want to know. I, I there need, there's not enough info on this. At least I'm not seeing. I want to know the breakdown of the returning punts and if a player or coach said something, dude, who the fuck is this guy? He would have gotten away with it too. If he didn't dive on the ground when we said, get in the nickel, he's like, where's the nickel. <laughs> I could use a nickel. They're like the nickel defense. He's like, Oh, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> there was no, there was no, like no flags were raised, and the guy went to the dining hall 52 times over a 24 hour. Like, all right, period. we're running the wishbone. He's like, I love was I'm starving. <laughs> what? What do you mean you're starving? <laughs> Omaha, oh he's like, is that those steaks? Is that those steaks? Where where's the steaks? Where's the steaks? <laughs> They're practice. They're like, change. He's like, who's got change? I just picture him getting change. <laughs> He shows back up to his homeless encampment wearing a shoulder pads, a helmet. Wearing property of the Trojans <laughs> t-shirt. 
They're like, dog, how'd you do? You make the team? It's oh, by the way, that's also a state of how far USC football has fallen. Yeah, we're talking about the Pete Carroll, Reggie Bush, Matt Liner. They're going to be in contention to win a title every year. Now they got homeless guys returning punts. Well, this is a great, you know, this is, this was brought on by the Pete Carroll era. The athletic director, one day the athletic director was sitting around. He's like, how do we get great athletes without, without having to buy them houses? He's like, huh? Homeless athletes. Somebody's <laughs> like, what? I don't even understand what you're saying. We get homeless people who are great athletes. We don't have to buy them homes. We just buy them lunch. I mean, seriously. It's unbelievable. This is probably one of the funnier stories that I've seen in a long time. Again, didn't get much press. Didn't get any major press. Could completely be made up because this insider's website that I'm reading it from sounds like maybe it was just a high college kid who goes to SC and completely made it up. Either way. Did we just get punked for the second time? Yeah. I feel like you could play the homeless guy in the movie. Oh, that'd be great. What's tug play? Tug play is like the visor wearing offensive coordinator <laughs> who, who sees the talent in the, he plays like the, what's his name? Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. He sees my talent. He's like, hear me out though. That homeless guy. Like you remember when, uh, <laughs> you remember when Willie Mays Hayes, like they put him outside and he sprints back onto the field off his bed. Yeah. Like, like uh, they kicked me off the field. And then some like douchey, like the douchey rich boy quarterback is like, all right, homeless guy, get out of here. He's like, but you know what? You want the rest of my sandwich? And he like throws it and I like Odell it. And Tug's like, wait a minute. Did you see that extension? <laughs> I like it. I think he's our new receiver. By the way, this story did make. It got more mainstream than I thought. It's on Yahoo Sports. You want you want the rest of this breakfast burrito, hobo guy? And he throws me a giant Chipotle, and I like reel it in, toe the sideline. Oh, oh, dude! I got some more info on this. This is great. Yahoo. I, why did I not just go to a main source to start? This is a quote on Yahoo Sports from a USC security guy. He's pretty young looking and could pass as a college student, said the member of the staff identified. He's about 5'10", but I heard he wore number 87 at practice. The guy who really wears number 87 is 6'4". So that was the giveaway. <laughs> I, I got it. Ready? So here's what happens. The douche bro quarterback is like, you want this burrito? And he's like, I fucking bet you do. And then instead of throwing it to me, he goes to like throw it down the street, just to like taunt me that he doesn't need the food. But I run it down and lay out and save it before it could land. And then I sitting Indian style on the ground, eating a burrito and tug walks over. He's like, can you do that again? <laughs> um, and I'm like, do you have another burrito? And he's like, well, this time with a football. And I'm like, I don't listen. I was just here for the burritos. He's like, listen, if you can do that again, I'll get you a burrito. You promise? Carne asada? Yeah. You got it. Whatever you want. Then I'm running patterns. <laughs> then what is the, you know, in every movie, obviously there's an arc. Where does the trouble start? The trouble starts when they find out about my checkered past, that I was a, that I was a, uh, 
you know, a football prospect. And then they find out the reason, you know, I lost my scholarship in the first place was something I did wrong, but it turned out like I didn't do it wrong. It was like wrong, but for the right reasons, like I robbed a store, but but I did it so I could feed my, you know, uncle dying of cancer, but they locked me up. I, are they not, did anybody check this guy? Basically the Randy Moss story. Yeah. Was this, uh, where Lou Holtz is like, get out of here. We don't even watch anymore. You can't do that stuff around here. That's not Notre Dame football. We not know if this guy was was like, uh, you want to change our football program forever? (laughs) Do we not know if this, this, how do we know this guy wasn't Todd Marinovich just coming back to campus too soon? Too soon. He, because they still had his fingerprint on there. (laughs) And like, technically you are a USC football player, but also technically you're homeless. (laughs) He's like, I'm not homeless. Homeless where the heart is. And my heart's under a, under a lifeguard stand in Huntington Beach where I paint and never talk to my dad. I'm like, I don't know why you had to throw that last part in. All right. This this is uh the perfect segue to get to some dirt ball calls today. Let's and do uh, it. we got a few, so let's uh let's start off with this one. Quick question for you guys. If Cincinnati Red's mascot, Rosie Red, and York Met's mascot, Mr. Met, had a child. Would you guys co-parent? Okay. Stay dirty. Okay. Stay dirty. Okay. I'll hang up and listen. (laughs) I like this. So Rosie the Red and Mr. Matt have a child together. I love that we're my two dadding a baseball-headed child. This is like the worst version of that Paul Reiser show (laughs) from the 80s. Me and you with our baseball-headed child. That we are co-parenting because obviously Mr. Matt and Rosie Red can't parent her together. They live in different cities, cities. And, they have, and they have tough schedules. And we live in different cities too. They're working so. 81 games a year. So yeah, I'd co-parent. And then whenever we were busy, like doing the show, we could drop her off at a diner to hang out with Dick Butkus. I like it. Yeah. I didn't see when I went to the Reds game uh, a couple weeks ago. I didn't see Rosie the Red. No, are they re- redoing her? I felt like I saw Mister Red. But I don't know if I saw Rosie. Who's the lead? Is it Mister Red? Is he the first? Rosie's Asuka? been getting. Rosie's been getting all. I assume it's Mister Red, but Rosie's been getting all the action lately in the last few years, all the attention. I love. I do like Mister Red as compared to Mister Matt. Like. He's got he's got the mustache. Yeah. He's got like the steam pipe hat. Well, that, that would be a good time to play this call. Let's go. Somebody's trying to call me out on the red saying they're not the first. I'm just going to play it. I'm just going to play it. Dirty sports. Conspiracy. What's up, boys? It's Dan Dole calling from the beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah, home of the wow. 1995 Pacific Coast League runner-up, Salt Lake City Bees, calling because I have a little bit of a problem with Ruther and the Cincinnati Reds organization claiming 1869 as the start of the franchise. That team, uh, a couple years later, ended up disbanding, relocating to Boston, and after that, relocated again to Atlanta. They're now known as the Atlanta Braves. In the 1870s, the Reds started up again, that team also fell apart. It wasn't until the early 80s 
that the current Reds organization ended up sticking around in Cincinnati and, and it ended up working in the rest of history. So my question to you guys is, one, Ruther, do Reds fans know this, that the Reds are claiming, you know, it's, it's blasted right behind home plate, that they're claiming an extra 10-plus years that aren't necessarily theirs? And two, should they be allowed to? I, I understand there's some history behind that team, but it's to me it's kind of like claiming um, the Cleveland Browns, like the Cleveland Browns claiming that they have a championship when we all know it's the current Baltimore Ravens organization. So that's it for me, boys. Stay dented. Stay dented. It's our boy Dan Dole, for our, for our former XFL guy. Well, look, here's the thing. I, I don't think a lot of people know this. I didn't know this. I'm, I'm looking Dan at Dole, it. by the way, in the relocation business because he's been relocated to Salt Lake City. Yeah, so he's, he's well uh, he's well versed in where people are relocating for sports. So I did know this much. I already did know that the Reds, that Cincinnati as a city claims to play the first truly professional baseball team called the red stockings, which began in 1869 and was undefeated in its first 81 games against amateur clubs. So an other team based by the same name was one of the founding members of the national league in 1876. But this team was expelled from the league in 1880 for playing games on Sunday and allowing liquor on the grounds at the ballpark. Well, now I love them. I mean, so, the, you know, this. so you didn't mention any of this, Dan. So they, also, I, I think there's a big difference between teams relocating now and staying the same franchise as opposed to like the 1860s when a traveling baseball team was basically like carnival, like <laughs> a bunch of guys in a wagon being like, we're a professional baseball team. Yeah. Also paint houses if you need something to do on Sunday. Like you're like, okay. Yeah, it's 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 like my uh you know, my grandfather. We're taking they, on the amateurs. Bring them all out. But we can't play you guys until Monday because Walt Ruth is down at the mill and he's our best right-handed starter. Yeah, my my, my dad's dad, Vincent Ruther, he played amateur baseball. It was still big enough. We're talking like even in the 1920s that his team would get write-ups in the paper. Well, that's why the Reds obviously still existed. My, my point is Joe Vincent is right. Rutha does it again. Back-to-back shifts at the mill and back-to-back homas in the seventh and eighth. You're pretty close. What can't he do? You're pretty close. Besides survive smallpox. <laughs> You're pretty close. You worked. What uh, can't he do besides live past 41? Yeah. So I don't know. I, I feel like you're, to be honest, Dan, I know what you're saying, but I feel like you're kind of splitting hairs there. I mean, I just read they had to end the team because they played on Sunday and served booze at the ballpark. That's why one of the teams just stopped in Cincinnati. One of the Cincinnati Red Stockings. That's what they called the Reds. Filthy communists playing on Sunday. Think about how taboo that was back then to play on Sunday and serve booze at the ballpark. That I will say that makes me love the Reds that much more. Yeah. So thanks, Dan. You you actually helped me love my team more by trying to call me out. But hey, I appreciate the call. Also, hotline for everyone else: 310-359-8365.
You want to do another intrusive thoughts? I like the intrusive thoughts. Sure, I know you do. CT, intrusive thoughts. Gentlemen, CT, formerly of Seattle, lifelong Seattle Kraken fan here. I like the vulnerability a lot of the Dirtball fam is showing in talking about their fears and their intrusive thoughts. You know, I don't have those intrusive thoughts necessarily, except when I'm golfing, praying that made me laugh a lot. They all come back when I'm trying to hit a fucking golf ball straight. But if we're sharing our fears, I'm a very nervous flyer. You know, I get really tense on flights. But here's the problem. I like traveling, and I know I have to fly places to get to some places I really want to go to. Like, I try to drink or medicate myself to get through the flight, but sometimes it just gets in my head that you are 32,000 feet above sea level. There is no pulling over. If this motherfucker has a problem, you are going down. And I am just wondering, is there anything you guys do to stay calm on a flight? Is there anything that uh, you do to bring yourself some inner peace as you're 32,000 feet above the ground? Because I have one tried and true method, and it's look at the flight attendants. And if they're not freaking out, I try not to freak out. But turbulence, a bump, you know, just that crazy thought that you're in a huge fucking metal tube watching fucking Guardians of the Galaxy on your phone trying not to think that if something fails, you're going down. Well, I don't know where this call was going. I thought we were talking about people's fears. I'm a little scared of flying. Looking for some help to stay calm on flights. When I can again. Fucking COVID. CT out. You, you can. Joe, Joe has already flown. He's flying tomorrow. I'm flying Wednesday. I get it, but he doesn't. He already doesn't like flying, so flying during COVID. Um, I can't believe that CT, of all the people, has not attempted from his favorite Christmas movie, in his opinion, the Walking on Curled Toes. This is like this is how his favorite Christmas movie starts. Why is why a Christmas movie is taking place on an airplane? I don't know, but. You know, this is how his Christmas movie movie starts, walking on his toes. Uh, I didn't used to love flying. I still don't love flying. Xanax helps. Um, But, uh, yeah, I don't freak out about the – I don't forget about crashing. I just hate – I hate being in a tube with that many people. My thing is more of a crowd thing and, like, a comfort thing. I don't think about that. You know, since we – opened it up the intrusive thoughts i it did remind me i guess i i guess these would classify as intrusive thoughts when i was a kid when we would drive i hated driving over bridges because i was always worried that we were going to fall into the water like that something was an accident was going to happen so i'd make my parents open the sunroof of the car and so that if we went into the water that i could i could swim out the sunroof so you want them to open the sunroof of the uh the boeing the plane yeah, no, I don't think about that, but I'm just, you know, when I was a kid, I was like, if we go in the water, I want a way out. Sure. Well, I'm anxious when I fly. So he's probably talking to the right person here. I I take I don't even take it that much anymore. I I I do have Xanax I bring with me on my flights. It's a quarter of a milligram. It's so small. But a quarter I, of a milligram? Yeah. Wow. Because it's, I don't I don't like taking pills anymore and I just I'm not I don't know it, it, it 
it helps me. I, the five tenths is good, but you know, the not do the numbers back it up. Like I know it's 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 a control thing, CT. That's what you need to learn. That's the same problem with me. It is a control issue. It's not even you're probably not even that scared because of something happening like a tragedy. It's a control. You can't control it. Whereas you feel more in control of a vehicle. That's what it is. You can't see the cockpit when you're in your car. You can see, even if you're not driving, you can see what's going on. You can't see it when that's what that's what, at least that's what they say. They say it's a control issue. I have found myself during bad turbulence. I have found myself more secure. If the person's freaking out next to me, it's funny. Like I'll be the guy who's like, no, it's cool. Like, like we got this. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Like, I know I'm thinking of different flights that I've had and I've had some bad ones. Um, where it's not fun at all. And you're especially across country. Like you're going to hit something. I like, most like, freak, I like to freak people out more when they're freaking out. Turbulence. Somebody's freaking out. I'm like, you know, the next one, six in a row. It's probably the end of the world. <laughs> We're probably about to get hit with meteors. That's what's happening. It's all over. Put your head between your legs and kiss your ass. Goodbye. Yeah, it's just six in a row. Let's let's get to 10, Joe. It'll be incredible. I don't think that's gonna happen, but I'm into it. Yeah, I like to I like to walk up and down the aisles too, occasionally. Not like up and down, but like I'm one of the few people who talks to the flight attendants. Like I walk to the back, I'm like, yeah, I'm where sure you? They love that. Where, where you? Yeah, like where you live? Like what, what what's going on? Like I, oh, I hope you do it like that too. This guy's coming down to the bathroom. Here we go. So where you guys live? What you doing? What's going but, on but that. But the juices are over there. That's more of boredom. Just, you know, oh, how often do you drink the liquor when no one's watching? <laughs> All right. What else we got here? We, we got a we got a bunch of different. Do we have another drunk athlete story? I'm always up for those. Hey, guys, Eric from Lakewood, Colorado, again, uh, giving you another story about uh, drunk athletes. Um, I was working the uh, Barclays a few years back when I was still in Jersey at Ridgewood Country Club. Uh, and during the pro-am, one of my buddies got paired up with uh, Boo Weekly's group. Who, okay, who is he saying? I've listened to this so many times. Who? Boo Wheatley? I have no idea. Uh, and he, he heard this from, uh, from one of the guys in his group, his friend or something. <clears throat> and apparently he... Uh, he was playing some tournament down in like Shitville, Texas or something. He was winning going into uh, Sunday, but that Saturday night he goes out to go drinking at some bar in Texas or over the border or something. And apparently they have a fucking orangutan there um, <laughs> that you what? can go up and fight. <laughs> so, Okay, real quick before he continues, I had to Google this. Boo Weekly. Yes, you were looking it up too. Is a is a golfer. Okay. All right. So let's cut to he's leaning. He goes to a bar where you can fight an orangutan. Boo Weekly apparently is uh drunk enough to get involved with that uh and gets his ass kicked by a fucking monkey and <laughs> has to withdraw from the tournament the next day. So apparently he missed out on like I don't know, some little shitty pot, but you know, half a million is uh is still a pretty decent pot for uh getting the crap kicked out of him by an orangutan. Um 
Hope that's a good one. Um, also at the club, uh, <laughs> that's a good one. Jeff Beagles, I'm pretty sure one time got drunk and drove his uh, golf cart into a sand trap. A uh, couple good ones there for you. I mean, I looked is... up. I looked up Boo Weekly. It looks like a guy who would fight an orangutan. I love how he's just tossing out Boo Weekly, like yeah. we know who Boo Weekly is. A couple corn fairy tour wins. <laughs> So he fought in a, so this is in Mex. Of course, it's in Mexico, right? Yeah, I think he said te- you know he's Texas, like maybe south of the border. It's like yeah, I think if the monkey fighting happened, it was in Mexico. You don't mess with monkeys, bro. They will fuck you. They up. will rip your face off. They will. That chimpanzee rip that dude's face off. That's why, if anybody's even near a primate, I say take out the primate, kill that primate, rip Harambe forever. Like what? What is the first move when you're going in against an orangutan? Tony, Tony's coming in to say hello. What's up, Tony? How are you? I wish you could hear me. Yeah, he said he wishes he, you could hear him, which you could, I guess, if you put it on the headphones. But yeah. <laughs> I like it. Throwback. Like, like, what's your first move? If I fought an orangutan, like like if you're going in, obviously he's intoxicated doing this, but in your head and you're thinking, I got to fight an orangutan. I'm keeping my face away from it. I don't want this thing to get face action or neck action. I don't want any choking or ripping of my ears or eyes. So I'm going a lot of front kicks, a lot of front kicking. I'm a long person. I'm just going full kicks. Plus they're shorter than me. I'm going to try to kick it in the face a lot. Well, I just put Boo Weekly orangutan in Golf Digest, an article from 2008. The Boo Weekly fights an orangutan story. So it sounds like it was a thing. I mean, it's on golfdigest.com. Yeah, Golf Digest. Of all the digests, one of the more legit digests. Yeah. Does Reader's Digest still exist? That's funny you should say that. You know, Reader's Digest is their, their uh, headquarters was right up where I'm from this beautiful old like brick college campus looking thing. And uh, I don't know if readers digest still a thing, but they're not doing it there anymore. So the campus is now like a whole foods and some apartments and whatever, but it used to be like, I mean, Google it. You'd be, you'd be like blown away by like, by the way, the readers digest offices. This is just ridiculous. So according to this September 21st, 2008 article, Boo Weekly fought the orangutan when he was 16. So I don't know where this. These are Boo Weekly's words in an interview. If you're going to fight an orangutan, do it while you're young and nimble. Yeah, but he didn't fight it when he was leading a golf tournament. Maybe he was leading some sort of amateur tournament. Can I read some of these excerpts? I have to. Sure. These are from his words. So a bunch of us went to a county fair, a truck pulled in there, blah, blah, blah. Let me see. Then uh, the guy brings out a orangutan. He starts yelling. I love, I love that you just yada, yada, yada. Like, yeah, we're at a county fair. Yada, yada, yada. I'm, I'm face to face with an orangutan. Like what? So the guy says five to win 50. So if you put in five bucks, you can win $50. Like how, how do you win? Survive? Were there, were there kids like being, were they getting rid of bodies? 
after said, the Rantan fights? According to Boo Weekly, we'd never seen anything like that before. We decided that one of us had to try, and I drew the short straw. So me and my five friends, each of us put in a buck. So I got in the ring. The orangutan didn't look like much. He came up to about my chest. Though his arms were as long as he was tall. When the match started, he didn't lift his arms. He kept them down as the side and used them to pivot and follow me as I circled him like Muhammad Ali. Wow. I mean, Boo's already called himself Muhammad Ali. Yeah. I just imagine, like, what, what do you think the crew that hangs out with Boo Weekly in Texas's name's like? It was me, Switchblade, One-Eyed Johnny. This is unbelievable. But I drew the short straw. I still think I still think Switchblade might have might have pulled a fast one on me. My strategy was to fake with my right hand, and when the orangutan tried to block the punch, I'd throw my left. When we make this dirty sports production, <laughs> when we make this dirty sports production, Maddie should play the orangutan. He's like, oh, come on, shadow boxing. Get in here. My arms are extra long. My buddies were going wild. Get him, boo. Kick his butt. They really wanted that $50. I moved in close and faked with my right, and that's the last thing I remember. I woke up bleeding in the back of a friend's pickup. The orangutan had knocked me cold with one punch, which I didn't even see coming. My friends thought it was hilarious. The orangutan was doing the old sugar, right? Spinning one giant arm and then slapping him with the other. He said, "How I much? How much for you to fight an orangutan?" I'm not. I'd okay. Get my ass kicked. Okay. Just that's just off. So, again, this is from Golf Digest, September Man, 21st. We have, we have we have really scraped the barrel today for this episode of Dirty Sports. Oh yeah, but you know what? These are usually my favorite episodes. Not These- are our listeners. I think they will appreciate stories of homeless guys fielding punts for USC and Boo Weekly, a golfer we didn't even know, fighting an orangutan. And on that note, Joe, we're going to keep it short and sweet. We got things to do today. And clearly, there's not much going on in the sports world. Hence, we're talking about a story that is 17, 16 years old. <laughs> well, Andy, I return to Los Angeles tomorrow. You are there. A day after. So the next Dirty Sports will be live and in person together. Reunited and feel so good. Provided your plane doesn't go down. Um, or my plane. Um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, provided you don't drive off of a bridge on your way to the airport. Um, so we'll be back together. But um, I know I've gotten a lot of messages uh, from folks. You know, I, I know the Yankees are down, but a couple teams are up. Uh, I've got messages from folks. We got to talk about the Kansas city Royals and some other baseball teams that are thriving so far on dirty slides. So uh, Laz and I will get a dirty slides going. Uh, when I get back to town this week and Andy and I will be together. We will we follow got some... me on all social media at Joe Prano on everything except for Twitter at fix your life. We got some sports stuff coming up. Love it. We go to reds Dodgers games. I already got tickets. We're going to get a tour of the new stadium. I've already reserved tickets for that. So some fun stuff coming up. Yeah. I'll get out some, I'll get out some koozies. That's all some new reviews. Just leave your Twitter, Instagram handle in that review. And yes, you do need access to Apple. I had some DMS about that. You need access to Apple to leave that review. So find yourself an Apple computer, iPad, 
phone. Somebody you know has one and leave that review. All right, guys, short and sweet for this Monday. We'll be back and we'll be live. Have a great few days. And as always, stay dirty.